0: ABC Listen, podcasts, radio, news, music and more. A warning for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. The following podcast will contain audio of First Nations people who have passed away.
1: Australians don't much like to change our constitution. We've had 44 referendums since 1901 and only eight times have we said, yes, make the
0: change. So why do so many of them fail? Hey, I'm Carly Williams. I'm a Kwandamuka woman and the National Indigenous Correspondent at the ABC, joining you from Gadigal land of the Eora Nation.
1: And I'm Frank Kelly, here with Carly on Gadigal land in Sydney, and this is The Voice Referendum Explained.
0: there's one referendum in Australia's history that stands out. And just a warning with this next jingle, the language reflects the times. Vote
2: yes for Aborigines. All parties say they think you should. Vote yes and show the world the true Australian brotherhood. Vote yes
1: for Aborigines. The referendum is on Saturday and it's important that we should have the maximum vote because the eyes of the world are on Australia.
2: They are waiting to see whether or not the white Australian will take with him as one people the dark Australian.
1: That's Aboriginal activist Faith Bandler back in 67. And they certainly did get the result they were after. In 1967, Carly, more than 90% of Australians, imagine that, 90% of Australians voted in a referendum to change two sections of the constitution in relation to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. Charles Perkins was a leading Aboriginal rights campaigner back in the 60s, and he literally drove right around New South Wales highlighting racism in this country. In 1965, Aboriginal activist Charlie Perkins led a busload of university students on the now infamous Freedom Ride, touring northwest New South Wales, confronting locals and demanding an end to discrimination.
3: The white person in Australia must be educated to be able to understand the Aboriginal person, to be more tolerant towards him.
2: There just wasn't the awareness of the suffering uh, of our people and the segregation that existed in the country. So the freedom where really put that on the front page of the newspapers for the first time and then drove, I think, popular support of the 1967 referendum because people really believed that Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people should be equal, should have equal status.
1: That's Rachel Perkins. She's a filmmaker, but she's also the daughter of Charles Perkins. And Carly, there's a lot of confusion still about 67, not about the result, that was overwhelming, but about what it was doing. It It didn't give Aboriginal people the vote, did it?
0: No, that's sort of like an urban myth. What happened in 1967 was the constitution was changed to fully include Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in Australia's population. And it allowed the Commonwealth to make laws for First Nations Australians because up until 67, the states and territories were doing that and they weren't doing a great job.
1: So Rachel Perkins, who we heard there, she's campaigning hard for a yes vote because she sees this referendum as a continuation of what her dad was fighting for in 67.
2: Well, I think the 1967 referendum laid the foundations for the Commonwealth government to take action on Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander issues. And that was a great achievement. However, what we saw was that It took them a very long time to take action. And when they did, they didn't really involve Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people in the decision-making. So that's why in 1973, my father and other Indigenous leaders tried to set up the first voice, which was called the National Aboriginal Consultative Committee. But as we know, of course, that was abolished very quickly. In my lifetime, we've seen five different variations of a voice voice. And all of them have been set up and then destroyed because of political point scoring, really.
0: And that's why many Indigenous people want the voice written into the Constitution so it can't be dumped. But this is not 1967. In 2023, we have a more complicated political dynamic. In 67... They had bipartisan support. There was no social media. Not one member of federal parliament voted against the idea and there was no no campaign to be seen.
1: It's hard to imagine. It's a really different political climate right now and referendums in this country are notoriously difficult to win. George Williams lives and breathes the constitution, so much so that the federal government appointed him to a constitutional expert panel to advise on the referendum question.
3: Referendums are difficult to win because they require a national majority and a majority of states, and voting is compulsory. So you need to convince large numbers of people, many of whom haven't heard of the Constitution, aren't interested in the issues to vote yes. And what polls show is that where people don't know, they tend to vote no, where they don't care, they tend to vote no. And that's a formidable obstacle for the yes case with majority voting to bring all these people to the ballot box and convincing them to vote yes. And it's something that as a result, very, very few referendums have managed to achieve. We
1: can say that again. We haven't changed our constitution since 1977. That's 46 years, Carly. But George Williams actually doesn't think that's a bad thing. He thinks it should be hard to change because you don't want your founding document chopping and changing with every change of government. He says change to the constitution should be gradual and considered.
0: But the basic problem in this country isn't the pace of constitutional change. I think it's that there's so many of us who don't really know or understand what the constitution is. It's not top of mind for heaps of Australians, I think.
3: One poll taken a couple of decades ago asked Australians, do we have a written constitution? And about half said no. So heavens knows what they would have been voting on when they went to a referendum to change a document they didn't know existed. And even where they know it exists, Um, many Australians have false information about what the constitution contains. So another poll just a few years ago asked Australians, do we have a national bill of rights? And 62% said yes. And of course we don't. So when you combine not really knowing we have a constitution and those who know we have a constitution think it contains things it doesn't contain, that makes it very difficult.
1: And Carly, when I was talking to George, he said some people even think that under our constitution they can plead the fifth. (laughs) which they can't, right? That's in America. So they've been watching too many US cop shows. But that degree of difficulty explains why both sides are so fired up this time.
4: This thing is about division and dividing this country and the racial abuse that we've been hearing over the last few months.
2: You know, we've heard words like squalid, underbelly, maintain the rage thrown about. It's as if, you know, the frontier wars were still happening. It's very uh, disappointing That
0: so many Australians have been deceived. Matt Vortrop's day job is studying referendums across the globe, (laughs) riveting, but he is in Australia at the moment and he reckons our referendums are a lot more political than other countries.
1: Yeah, Matt's got a nifty formula to work out whether a referendum will succeed or fail. He reckons it gets it right more than 75% of the time.
4: Well, I use the same sort of mathematical models that economists use when they predict if there's going to be high inflation or low inflation or economic growth and things like that. So if we look at the sort of 200 referendums and constitutional changes we've seen in the past 50 years, then the government always starts with a bit of a head start. They start with 56%. And then for every year they've been in office, they lose 1.6%. Then if you have compulsory voting, on average, you tend to to lose, uh, you know, to seven percent, and if you don't have bipartisan support, you can knock another 10 to 15 percent off. And so all these sort of factors, pluses, and minuses, and if you add those into the model, in the end, you will then come up with the results.
0: Got that? So many percentages, there's but a lot
1: here. of percentages, but based on that formula, Matt makes a bold prediction. I
4: crunched the numbers in November last year, and at that time, I came to the conclusion that 48 percent. Uh, would vote yes in this referendum. In other words, it would fail.
1: It's just a model. Models can be Mm. wrong. But let's stick with the politics for a minute. There have been newspaper reports quoting unnamed Liberal MPs saying a defeat in this referendum is a key part of the opposition's strategy for getting back into a winnable position before the next election. And it's true, Anthony Albanese and the Labor Party have taken a hit in the polls as support for yes has fallen. But Matt Vortrop, remember he's got an encyclopedic knowledge Mm -hmm. of referendums, he says maybe the coalition should have another think about that
4: often in order to, to defeat a proposition, you have to be a bit more radical. So the opposition will have to, to side with people they don't normally side with. They have to have a, a slightly shriller voice. They will have to appear a little bit more extreme. And So what you do in a referendum campaign will not be forgotten. So you have to be a little bit extreme in these cases. So therefore, typically governments that lose referendums win elections. Opposition parties that win referendums tend to lose the subsequent general elections.
0: Well, that's Matt and his crystal ball gazing. We'll have to see if that checks out at the next federal election. But let's go back to October 14, Referendum Day. It's a bit of a row that blew up about the task that we actually have to do in the voting booth. When you get to Referendum Day and you've got your ballot paper, You've got one job, and that is to write out in English either yes or no in the box. That's it.
1: Yeah, I'm going to say it again for emphasis. Write yes or no in the box, peoples. That's all you've got to do. But no supporters are very unhappy with the Australian Electoral Commission at the moment because the commission has said that we're meant to write yes or no. That's it. But that people counting the ballots might accept a tick in the box as a yes vote, whereas they will not accept a cross in the box as a no vote. That will be an invalid vote. It will not be counted. Peter Dutton says that stinks, and others accuse the AEC of stacking the deck against no. Clive Palmer, in fact, has now challenged the AEC position in the courts. But George Williams says it's the way we've done referendums for the past 30 years or so, and it's unwise for politicians to now question the integrity of our electoral commission.
3: I think we're on dangerous ground. And as we see with the US, once you start questioning the integrity of the process, you need to be very, very careful. This is a longstanding practice. The Electoral Commission is essentially doing what it's told because Parliament has directed it to save votes where a person's cast a ballot, they haven't written yes or no, but it's still clear what they're indicating. And it's just common sense. And this is their legal advice, that if you put a tick, that's unambiguously yes. If you put a cross, That is not unambiguously no, because sometimes people cross boxes to indicate assent to something. So they're essentially following the rules that Parliament has directed them to follow. And if that wasn't the case, Parliament could change the rule. I mean, the coalition could have done it over a long period of time, but it's a bit late now. And they're essentially just following what they've been asked to do.
0: So one more time, for people at the back, on the ballot paper, you write yes or no. Yes or no. No ticks, no crosses. No love hearts, no smiley faces. That's the best way to make sure your vote counts.
1: That's it. And the deadline for enrolling to vote or updating your details on the electoral roll is 8pm Monday, the 18th of September. So get yourselves on the roll, people. And join us next week. We're going to take a look at how the campaigns are going. It's one month from referendum day so one month left in this campaign we're also going to have a look at misinformation because there is so much of that about isn't
0: there yeah that's next week and so you don't miss that episode subscribe find us on the abc listen up we're called the voice referendum explained we're filming this as well so catch us on iview see you next week friend see you, Carly.